Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 71, Posh Mafia. A question for you about the two star preachers of our preaching series that's just finished, John Stott and Dick Lucas. Although their personal styles were different, these two men had quite a bit in common, both bachelors running churches in central London for decades in the late to mid-20th century. Firmly within the Church of England's conservative evangelical wing. Would it surprise you if I told you they were quite close friends? Okay, very close friends. The last Lucas sermon I looked up was him talking about John Stott's deathbed scene where the joke was Dick trying to cheer John up by reminding him of what a great time they had working together on the Christian Union mission at Cambridge University in 1952 and 1950-something else. And the punchline, John Stott pipes up from his deathbed and don't forget the mission of 1977, followed by Dick's wry comment that John had been putting him right all his life. So the question I want to ask you is how do you think these two men knew each other? How did they meet? How about this scenario? The two men in 1950 were walking towards each other along the Thames River path from opposite directions. And as they got within talking distance, one said to the other, Excuse me, sir, do you realise that one day... Church Ahead podcast will feature you as a great preacher of the Christian gospel. To which the second replies, how extraordinary. I was about to ask you the same thing. So the first question is, how did the two greatest preachers I have ever heard meet? Second question, where did Charlie Screen go to school? Reverend Charlie Screen is rector of All Souls Langham Place, so he's John Stott's present-day successor. We'll come back to why this is worth asking later. Third question. Given that the Church of England generally follows English social norms, in an era where very few English people still have a problem with homosexuality, why is there so much resistance to the Archbishop's efforts to bring in blessings for same-sex couples. I think it does take some explaining how this modest measure could be fought against so fiercely. Where is the resistance coming from? Fourth question. Where did the Archbishop of Canterbury go to school? And where did he first learn Christian leadership? Question five. When you look at organised Christianity in the top universities... What you find is a small group of liberal Christian students struggling and a big, thriving group of Christian students led by conservative evangelicals. Now, why is it that way round? Sixth and final question. If we look at the top church jobs in London, how many of the people in these posts went to the same school as the Archbishop of Canterbury? The answer is most of them. Arguably, all of them, with the possible exception of Charlie Screen and maybe Sarah Mullally. Let's go through them. 
William Taylor, rector of St. Helen's Bishopsgate, Dick Lucas' successor. Yes, same school as ABC. Let's call it that school. HDB rector, Archie Coates, and his arguably even more powerful sidekick, Nicky Gumbel, boss of Alpha. Yes, both Archie and Nicky went to that school. When I was a curate in London, the rector of HDB was Sandy Miller, and the curate I knew best was Nicky Lee. Guess where Sandy and Nicky went to school? Well done. I think you're starting to get the hang of this, aren't you? What about Sarah Mullally, Bishop of London? Well, funnily enough, Sarah did not go to that boy's boarding school. And on paper she commands higher authority than big church vicars. But one of the things these boys are trained to do is how to spot where the real power lies. And in their view of the church, preaching to thousands of young people every week in a central London church confers far more real influence than running a diocese. They probably wouldn't say this to her face, but I think what they really think is, OK, dear, you can do denominational administration and ceremonial occasions, but we're going to shape the church in London. And just in case Sarah had not got this, when she went to All Souls in 2021 to institute Charlie into his rectorship, she had to share the stage with their own flying bishop, a conservative bishop, Rod Thomas, who is properly trustworthy because he was trained in sound ways at Emmanuel Wimbledon by one of the most adulated vicars. I was fascinated this year by the tone of William Taylor's Jeremiah about how the bishops have failed to provide the required moral leadership on sexuality. Something about how easy he found it to say that word fail that just gives away his sense of the real hierarchy. There's no question in his little world he is there to mark the bishop's homework, not the other way round. For anyone who knows how the Church of England works, the answer to my question, how did John Stott know Dick Lucas, is easy and obvious. And all six of my questions have the same answer. These two men were part of a tiny Christian youth movement that's had a huge outsized influence on the evangelical wing of the Church of England and still holds an iron grip on the top jobs in that world today. In the 1930s, an eccentric clergyman, Eric Nash, set up a camp by invitation only for boys at the top 30 or so English boarding schools. It was called Ewan Minster, after the Dorset village they took place in. Ewan is spelt I-W-E-R-N-E. The leaders were called officers, giving you a clue to the military structure. And Bash, as Nash was effectively called, discipled, as he would have put it, key boys from key schools. The camps were in the school holidays. But John Stott remembers his fear in seeing yet another letter arrive at school with Bash's handwriting on the envelope. He knew he was in for another telling off. Bash mentored his boys very closely 
Some would use the word grooming. I suspect Bash provided a level of active interest and care in, for these young people that in humbler homes would more normally come from parents. Andrew Greystone has written a book about their most notable abuser and it's not hard to see how their practice at the very least skirted the edge of grooming. Andrew calls them a cult. I'm not convinced by that cult word, but certainly they're a very close-knit little group. What Ewan Minster Network, operating under the surface of the Church of England, reminds me of is the organised crime network of southern Italy. You probably know that a whole range of social and economic activity from canning tomatoes to security protection are manipulated and controlled by families of organised crime. So the word I'm drawn to in trying to describe the way Ewan Minster works is the word mafia. No, they're not criminals. Of course, their critics often portray them as social criminals and theological criminals who undercut Christian values. But they often work underground and behind the scenes, a la Cosa Nostra. There are so many parts of church life where you see something and you wonder, why is that? And you realise what you're looking at is you in Minster in action. If you've ever had anything to do with the big churches in London or top universities and their Christian unions or any big evangelical organisation, then you will have seen Ewan Minster at work, often without realising it. Their numbers are not many, but their reach, influence and power are massive. What was it Winston Churchill said about the Air Force pilots in the Battle of Britain? Never has so much been owed by so many to so few. Well, whether you appreciate or resent the contribution made by you and people, you will have been affected probably more than you realise. There's a lot of talk in church today about inclusion, equality and diversity, not least in the Church of England. In Manchester Cathedral, they even have a monument to these values. Generally, I'm not that enthusiastic I prefer to get on with life in a world that will always be unfair. I just take it as a given that life is unfair. You can never compensate for a child having bad parents, and you can do a lot of damage trying. So generally, I'm not very enthusiastic about trying to uncover injustices in church life. But the lack of inclusion, equality and diversity with this group is so extreme that Church Ahead has no alternative but to go investigative journalist for a while. So where did Charlie Screen go to school? Why should we concern ourselves with something so seemingly trivial as the childhood of one London cleric? Let me explain. There are three prominent evangelical Anglican churches in central London. They all have plants and extensions, but they stem from three church centres. St Helen's Bishopsgate and Holy Trinity Brompton both have rectors who went to our one school, that school, as did the top man of Alpha, and all the way south of the river in Lambeth, the top man of the Anglican Communion. 
So if we've established that four out of five of the top jobs in Anglican London went to boys from one boarding school, can you see why I'm interested in the man who runs the third of the top three churches, Reverend Charlie Screen, Rector of All Souls, Langham Place? Now, I genuinely don't know where Charlie went to school. He's from a younger generation from me. I knew most of my vintage in these posts, but I've never met Charlie. I've watched him speak in a few videos where I think he comes over rather well. I've nothing against him. I've no axe to grind. But for any listener from Mars who does not know anything about the English class system, the most significant status signifier that places you in the pecking order of society is where you went to school as a teenager. So when I know four out of five went to one school at the top of our mafia, I can't help wondering where he sits in this scheme of things. All Souls Langham Place, just next to the BBC, just up from the shopping area of Oxford Street and Regent Street, has been one of the most important churches in this country since the ministry of John Stott. Let's go through the rectors of the post-war period. John Stott went to Shrewsbury School and was, of course, Ewerminster. After Stott came a socially radical appointment in Michael Bourne, who merely went to a London grammar school, positively plebeian by their standards, very talented, as you would need to be to break through this glass ceiling. Then, of course, back to Ewerminster with Richard Bewes, then Hugh Palmer, who was promoted from St Helens. I don't know his school, but he was certainly Ewerminster, followed by Charlie Screen, who also came from a long period as number two at St Helens, working under William Taylor. So I don't know Charlie's school. But what do you think is the likelihood that he is Ewan Minster? I don't know. But I'd be surprised if he was not shaped, formed and moulded by many years of Ewan Minster. Charlie's number two at All Souls is Will Stileman. I knew him at college as Willie Stileman. Yes, Stileman is in the Mafia. His eternal passport bears the stamp of Ewan Minster. And I think you'd be very naive indeed if you think that Charlie's school had nothing to do with his appointment to the rectorship of All Souls Langham Place. If you look at the information Charlie has allowed about himself into the public domain, you can find his marriage, children, his university college, his theological college, his interest in kayaking all good humanising touches. But nothing about what I can assure you is the most important piece of biographical information in the world he operates in. By and large, British society has moved on from an obsession with school type. In the wider world, it counts for less than it used to. The old school tie, as we English call the bond, status and connections that come from a top school, matters less. But if we've already established that most of the top jobs in the capital city established church are held by boys from one school, then it does seem that the church continues to see school as an important sorting mechanism 
for who you can trust to run a top church. And Ewanminster, with Eton College at its apex, is a very important mafia pulling strings, pulling the levers of church life today. A final word to the rector of All Souls Langham Place. I am in a position to confirm that you did not go to South Chatterton Comprehensive School Oldham with me. But Charlie, where did you go to school? Thank you for listening to episode 71. Please join me next week when we explore Ewan Minster's funny ways.